Today, we explore the place of the ultra-Orthodox, or Haredim as they are known, in Israeli society. Comprising only 13% of Israel's population of 9 million, the Haredim wield significant power in the coalition government and have enraged the majority of Israelis with their demands that their separate educational system be fully funded by the state. The catch? They take the position that core subjects, English, math, and science, are a waste of time and therefore are not part of the curriculum in Haredi schools. This community seems to regard quite extreme entitlements to very generous state support for education and many other aspects of life as their birthright. Why? Because their prayer and devotion to Torah, they say, is what protects Israel and allows it to flourish. They represent the real power and soul of the Jewish state. As you might imagine, this line of thinking is not terribly popular with most Israelis. In addition, only about 2% of Haredi men serve in the IDF, and their political and religious leaders are pushing for a blanket exemption from army and national civilian service to be enshrined in law as a key part of controversial judicial reforms, which have riven Israeli society for months. Rabbi Menachem Bombach, a Haredi educator, is committed to revolutionizing the Haredi approach to schooling and requiring that core secular subjects be taught while maintaining the love of religion and Haredi lifestyle. Stay with us for a fascinating discussion with this visionary man who may well be the quiet catalyst for critical change in Israel in the coming years. This is the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond, the podcast that brings you the straight-up, unfiltered story. What's really going down in Israel? Politics, economics, religion and state, lots of conflict. I'm your host, Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian ambassador to Israel. We're on the street with the folks who live here and have skin in the game. Yalla, let's dive in. Rabbi Menachem Bombach is a social and religious maverick living in the heart of one of the most conservative religious communities in Israel. The second of nine children born into a Hasidic family, Bombach has broken away from the very rigid life structure in which he was raised. The Jerusalem neighborhood he lived in for his first 20 years, Mea Sharim, is centrally located in the city. A stone's throw from the ancient walled city and just as close to modern western Jerusalem, Mea Sharim's Haredi population is committed to preserving the lifestyle and mentality that prevailed in the Jewish ghettos of Eastern Europe hundreds of years ago. Bombach recalls his childhood and adolescence fondly, explaining the beauty of the Haredi way of life, where everyone is cared for from cradle to grave. You can live within a few square blocks all your life, he told me, and have no reason to leave. But Bombach did leave, not the religion but he came to see the cloistered way of life of Haredim as being incompatible with his personal nature, too closed and constrained. He's kind of a very stylish hipster with the soul of a hippie, but Haredi. Bombach is also a very important man for Israel's future, but I'm certain that 99% of Israelis have never heard of him. He has a BA in education and a master's degree in public policy from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He is the driving force behind the establishment of the Netzach Educational Network of Schools for Haredi Boys and Young Men that could well be instrumental 
in addressing the significant issues with which Israel must contend urgently. The limited education that Horadim receive means, of course, that their employment prospects are miserable, perpetuating a cycle of poverty. Virtually all Haredi families, even those in which one or both spouses work, are dependent for life necessities on the state. It has become a way of life, institutionalized welfare, a deeply entrenched economic underclass. Currently comprising about 13% of the Israeli population of 9 million, Haredi fertility rates are approximately 8 children per family. In 2030, Haredi will make up 16% of the country's populace, and in 2065, that number will jump to 40%. The economics of the Haredi way of life in Israel are simply not sustainable, and Rabbi Bombach is passionately committed to being the catalyst for a sea change in the Haredi society, which he understands so well. We're sitting here in your office in Beitar Elit. Good afternoon, Menachem Bamba. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet today with State of Tel Aviv. Thank you. I'm very honored to be a part of your podcast, Medina Tel Aviv, and nice to meet you, Vivian. So let's do it. Yeah. We do have some noise that's going to pop in now and then, which is background noise. So listeners, you're going to have to bear with us because it's hot here and we really need the air conditioning. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Menachem, you've done so much in so few years, but none of it makes sense unless people have some idea as to who you are. Who is Menachem Baumbach? Um, tell us a bit about your background and where you grew up and what brought us to this place. What brought you to this place? Wow, uh, this is a good question, but I can just give a seminar about my journey. And how can I put it in just one hour? It's going oh, to be complicated. No. You're, you're going to have to. You're <laughs> going to have to. Sorry. Okay. So uh, the story is that I'm always like to mention uh, that I uh, I have a lot of empathy for diaspora Jews because I'm also from diaspora. I grew up in Mearsharim and uh, I didn't know even Hebrew until the age of 20. I speak only Yiddish. I always say that I could be a great teacher in Yiddish, but that's all. I didn't know nothing about outside world in those days for many years ago. Mea Sharim is, is not just a neighborhood, it's a country, it's a way of life. And so you don't have access to the outside world. So once you become exposed to the world, so you have two, way, two, two ways out to react. Or just going back to your community and have some fears for what's going outside. Or you get exposed and you see there is different people, different kinds of life different practice, people has different ideas. And I think this is the real world. And this is why I felt fascinating to be a part of the world. Haredim view Torah as the ultimate calling in life. They are not meaningfully engaged in the workforce and shun military or national civilian service. This means that a shrinking cohort of the general Israeli population serves in the army, works and pays taxes, while the growing Haredi sector does none of those things and demands more and more and more economic support. Bombach says that in order to preserve their differentness, Haredi leaders stoke hostility among their communities towards the broader Israeli populace, which causes them, in turn, to fear the other. 
and retreat further from the broader society and into their closed-off neighborhoods. It's quite radical, more than usual. So there was a lot of demonstrations against. You know, you get up in the morning, you still don't know about what. But just get up in the morning, you demonstrate about something. Right. Everything is no, 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 no. It's not about what, yes. Right. So this is a way, it's a consciousness. I mean, that's the way you grew up. The community issues is very strong. Values is very strong in our community. So it's a community that I, I, I have to say I love very much. I have to say it was not enough for me. My soul asked for more or for different. But I still, you know, I, you know, I have a hybrid identity. I mean, I know to get from each one something that gives me or supports me or provides me something unique. And then you can become multicultural person. Right. You know, you get from everyone something. I don't believe in one shape. And I know some people like it. But as, as Menachem, as a nature, you know, as a human being, this is not a kind of, of a personality. It's all about relationship. Yeah. Everything's about relationship. It's about managing. It's about uh, communicating with people. It's about a call. So at what age, I guess it was around age 20 when you decided, you know what, I'm going to consciously carve out my own path or way in this world. And just very briefly, what did you do? So what, what happened is, I, I'm always saying that I'm lucky that since I remember myself, I wanted to be an educator. I, I always felt I have to give something in education. But one day I get a phone call from a friend and he told me there is a rabbi in Migdalemek who is looking for a counselor for Russian immigrants. And the story is that one day he came to me a child and asked me if I can help him do some uh, homework in English, and I didn't know. And when he saw my embarrassment, he said, okay, I know English, it's quite hard, but mathematics, can you help me? And I didn't know. It was a moment, very hard moment for me, and I felt a, I'm handicapped. How old were you? 20. I had handicap. I have no access to the world, and I was very forced at it. So this, I think it was one of my greatest motives huh. to start my own journey. And that's why I started studying to close those gaps. Thanks for tuning in to the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond podcast. If you enjoy our work, please rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our Substack page, which is stateoftelaviv.com. That's stateoftelaviv, all one word, dot com. Whatever works. Your thumbs up makes a huge difference. For real. Thank you so much for your support. Now, back to the podcast. Bombach's story is captivating. At age 20, he was determined to become an educator, but beyond the restrictive confines of Measharim. He saw an ad for a teacher in a Jerusalem school and went there to apply for the job, speaking only Yiddish at the time. An office worker at the school asked Bombach, do you have a second degree? As he recounts the exchange, you can see afresh the shock on his face. He had no idea what a second, never mind what a first degree was, and his Hebrew, as he describes it, was terrible. But they clearly saw something in this young man and decided to help him. The school gave him stacks of books and told him, go home, 
study hard, take the Hebrew test, and then we'll see what your options are. Baumbach went home that day and said to his wife, I'll see you in four months. Day and night, he said, he studied those books, and he keeps them on his overflowing bookshelves in his office to this day, for sentimental reasons. At the end of the four months, he passed his Hebrew exams with flying colors, opening up a world of previously unimaginable possibilities for himself. Then the really tough slogging began. For a young Haredi man from Meisharim, this life path upon which he was embarking is so beyond radical. He was just getting going and soon decided to start a school for Haredi boys, where they would learn religious texts and English, math, and science. When I finished my second degree in Hebrew University, I felt that it's so important to give also paternity for my community. And as you know, at the age of 20, in our community, you have two choices, or to stay in the yeshiva and study all day long, and not everybody can do it, and, or you're going to completely leave the yeshiva, and that's mean you're going to be dedicate yourself to studying academic studies. But unfortunately, you can lose some of your uh, relationship or belonging to the community. So it's an or-or situation. When Haredi boys turn 18, they enroll in yeshiva. If they study full-time, then they are exempt from army service, but they must study until the age of 26. Don't ask why. Lots of ill-conceived laws. So the vast majority of all Haredi boys go the yeshiva route. And the Haredi political parties, which wield enormous power in the current coalition government, are digging in deeper and demanding more, infuriating the rest of the country. This issue is a huge part of the current domestic tensions and protests in Israel. Israelis who serve in the army and do reserve duty for decades and work and pay taxes are more than fed up with the status quo. Bombach recognizes the stalemate and is driven to do his bit to break it and bridge the chasm. It's a very, very tall order. Bombach writes opinion pieces now and then that appear in the English-language Times of Israel newspaper, which I recommend highly. He takes on controversial topics very thoughtfully. In a recent piece, he was writing excitedly about the fact that tens of thousands of Haredi boys and young men are choosing the type of hybrid education like that offered in his Netzach school system. And I guess I was sort of struck, and I reread that bit a few times because tens of thousands out of about 1.3 million, maybe 1.5 million Haredim in Israel, it's a drop in the bucket. And I guess I was sort of stuck, and I reread that bit a few times, because tens of thousands out of about 1.3 million, maybe 1.5 million Haredim in Israel, it's a drop in the bucket. You know the differentiation between optimism and hope. Optimism, Rabbi Zaks once said, optimism is a passive way to wait something where good will happen, and hope is you interfere the system. You do something to change. Okay. And I'm not optimist anymore. I feel the numbers is quite it's controversial and alarming. Yeah. But at the same time, I know when you start something, it's a bit of water. You start something, but if you will never start, start, it would never happen. I can tell you when I started the first school, 
in this city where we are sitting now, right? You cannot imagine how it was to start this project. I I, I have a nice story that I, I worked for three months with my staff to convince people to come to open event. Maybe they can the first time in their life to think about alternative way where they can educate our kids. And we know not everyone fits, everyone in our community fits the regular system. Right. So everybody said, ah, yeah, sure, sounds interesting, I'm going to come. But unfortunately, just five couples came. And I took her all from under 50 chairs, mm. food. And when I asked one of the couples, would you consider sending your kids to the school? And she said, I don't have kids. So I asked her, what brings you to this event? So she said, I will tell you the truth, Ayat, it's going to be great food tonight okay and 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 this is exactly how odd to change to to interfere the system can tell you the the chief rabbi of the city called me and said you have seven days to leave the city wow yeah this is 20 so i can tell you there is some rabbis who support me quietly and and yeah i have to say something i, I have a rule if you want to influence your community, you have to come with love. You have to come with loyalty. And I always saying, I have the privilege to criticize my community because I grew up there. Why should I criticize secular community? I, I don't know who is the, I mean, in some ways. I did, because I love the community, I'm a part of the community, so I have the privilege to, to criticize. So what I want to say is that I, I really believe there were great values in our community and Ruth Gabison, if you remember her, she was a judge and we had a great relationship. She once told me if the Haredi is going to be integrated in Israel, they're going to come with great, great essence. And it's going to be a huge contribution for the future. You know, for one year ago, I got a prize, unity prize from Jerusalem. And I asked Micha Goodman, you know Micha? Michael's, I don't know him personally, but... You have to know. Yeah. He's one of the, my most great friends. And I asked him to come to speak, and he came. He said, I think it's the name from, from Amos Oz. He said, the last immigration came from Russian in the 90s. It was very a huge and very success immigration because they give, they bring with a lot, a lot of essence. And the second one is going to come from Nebrak. From within, yes. And he said that, but they're not going to come to the, you know, Kuritur, to the Meltpalt. right. They're going to come with their resources, with their values, and we need to respect it. I loved very much for some years ago when the president, Rivlin, he spoke about the tribes. I really believe that there is existence and a legitimacy for existence from each of those communities in Israel. And so this is, I'm just going back for your question, you mm -hmm. know, that when I started school for 10, it was not easy. I started with 14 kids. But now we are going to have the coming summer, we're going to have 15 schools. How many kids altogether? It's thousand to eight hundred, but it's schools that's growing. And you know? are all your schools in Bitar? No, 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 no. Bitchemesh, Yerushalayim, Bitar, it's going to be in the center of, of Israel. And we also, we have an online school oh, well. that we have 25,000 people. Studied English, math, and science. And we have, we do it together with Telem. So we are, we are trying to get numbers and with a lot of respect. And also, I have empathy if people have fear. I have to tell you, I have secular friends. They also have a lot of fear. They, 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 they use the same practice as Haredim. I see now in the Afghanot what's going on in Israel. 
everybody has fear from someone or for something. And I think we want to give the confidence you can stay inside the community, but at the same time fully integrated in Israel. That's what gives the confidence that it could happen. You're saying, you know, look, these communities feel kind of besieged. They feel attacked. And the leadership is acting it when they what they think is the best interest of their communities and trying to protect their way of life. Really? Yeah, but I would say something more. Leadership is quite hard to say in our community. Yes. Since they, 28 years ago, Ravshak passed away. There was no leadership anymore. I mean, there is leaders, local leaders in the communities. But you cannot, you know, point on one leader that is really influenced the community. And even for some years ago, when I asked one of the rabbis if I can start my school, it gave me a bracha, and it was very legitimate rabbi. But some people in the community said, no, no, this is not the rabbi I would like, you know? So who has the, the power? It's not the rabbis. It's the, all the, you know, the second level of, of the community, people who leads. I mean, you know, the, the political members of Knesset and... Bullseye. And, and also, you know, the way you can have your community is make sure people depend on you. And this is very sad. So you cannot raise individuals. You have to raise the, you're always about the collective in other issue. So again, I think it's, it's a new time and it's going to be happened a lot of change. And the way we can preserve the community in the coming years is just to, to be integrated in Israel society. Because the new generation is not going to get those stories. It's a new, people has access to the world. Now you can live in Mea Sharim and you know everything what's going on in the world. Everybody knows if you told Dotaron or it doesn't matter. 80% officially, 70% has access to the internet and 80%, we know 80%. So it's a new world. Now, I think I can believe that if you enter Shabbat Friday night in every family, they're going to speak maybe about those issues. Because it, 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 it bothers them. They're asking the same questions. And there is a lot of pragmatic Haredim today. They, 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 they want to stay inside, but they want to try what they can do to, for their kids to do something different. So this is really interesting because I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the representatives who are perceived to wield power in the Haredi communities. And those would be the members of Knesset primarily. So it would be Aryeh Deri, Shas, Moshe Gafni, and Goldknopf. But you know, Shas is a second generation. I, I have know. to tell you. Well, Shas is complicated. Let's put Shas to the side for a yeah, moment. Yeah, okay. But I want to focus, because, and that's not your constituency, really. Yours is more the really Goldknopf's community. Maybe there's a little overlap with Gaffney. You're the first but, secular who pronounce his family name well. Goldknopf? Yeah, you cannot imagine. I love Many. It. I, I think like, yeah, because it would be gold knopf, right? That's really old country. There's some, yeah, I respect that. These gentlemen are the public face of the Haredi community. And I speak for no one but myself, but I bet you there are a few million Israelis who would agree with me when I say that they're not representing their community well at all. Absolutely not. State of Tel Aviv is supported by listeners and readers like you. We are an independent media organization, and in order for us to create this content, we need your support. 
please visit our website at stateoftelaviv.com. That's stateoftelaviv.com and consider becoming a paid subscriber. You will also find some fabulous print articles providing superb background analysis and opinion on what's going down. Each supporter makes a huge difference. Thanks for being here. And now, back to the episode. This is such an important comment. Bombach is openly critical of the political leadership of the Haredi communities at large. It takes tremendous courage for him to voice these views publicly. Haredim do not take kindly to their community members breaking ranks. Individuality is not seen as a positive attribute. But Bombach is determined to make a difference, and he chooses to believe that with time, the baby steps that some Haredim are taking will evolve into a broader movement. In support of this position, he quotes the Israeli Democracy Institute scholar and researcher Lee Kahaner, who specializes in the intersection of the Haredi and modern worlds. Her work, Bombach says, confirms that among the Haredim, 10% are what we would call modern, 30% are pragmatic, and 60% are hardcore, meaning that they're hostile to any change. So there are two ways to look at such numbers, he says, from a defeatist perspective or an optimistic one, and Bombach, not surprisingly, chooses the latter. It's 10% and 30%. Okay. And the third percent are very pragmatic. They want to stay inside the community. They love the community, but they are very, they are just pragmatic people. So they know we need to interfere the system. They're just waiting for those things to happen. Um, what about the sixty? I maybe you, you. What about the sixty? So they're going to stay. Going to it's going to be more radical as a your opposition of the trend. That they're going to see that this that the other side is more open. And but I know I heard for many years from statistics persons that once you influence 10% from the community, you get a tipping point. You get a point that you can really narrow down the problem for some more years. And also, we don't know. I think, as I said, we start with very few numbers and you get more and more. If you ask me, it's even too late and it's too far. And Israel is in a very problematic situation. It's not going to happen. It's now. No, this and is a real crisis. It's this a, is crisis. a moment of crisis. Yeah, and the government, because of political reasons, they didn't want to resolve the problem and to find the right solution. That's why they went to the easy path. So Israel is in a crisis. So if you ask me, I'm a very little person, a simple person. I mean it. I, I do the best what I can. I was I, I, I saying that if there is an unwilling situation, there is three ways out to react. Doing, not, doing nothing uh-huh. or complain. It's quite Israeli way to complain all the time. Jewish. Yeah. Jewish. Or you can influence your territory. You know, and this is exactly what I try to do, just to make a little bit better. It's not easy. I choose not a, a easy path. You should know. I pay quite hard prices, personal prices. But I believe, you know, 400 years ago, it was a woman. Her name was Sarah Schneider. She started the Bet Yaakov. Before she started the Bet Yaakov for the girls' schools, it was not even exist the idea that girls need to study in a school. Right. Girls stay at home, help the parents. And when she starts, everybody thinks she's Meshuge and destroy stones. And now there's no one who's not studying 
you know, beside homeschooling. But everybody send the kids it's nurture. So things change. I believe yes. that things change. It takes a lot of time. We are in a crisis, absolutely, in all terms. It's not just economic crisis. It's about arvuta dadit. It's about values as equal values and many, many, many equal opportunities that we need to provide for people. Now they don't have the equal opportunities. And yes, yes, Israel is not in a good time. I'm going to give you a free hand. Okay. But you get the pen, your leader for a day, your dictator for a day, and you have the opportunity to prescribe, to fix, solve this huge multifaceted problem. How are you going to do it and what are you going to recommend to Israel? So I like very much the pizza of Bambi Shelik. Bambi Shelik passed away for eight years ago from cancer. And we had a great relationship. We worked together at Mandel Institute. I'm still in Mandel Institute. It's part of my OYM. And I asked her the same question for so many years ago. And I asked her, Bambi, what do you think? And she said, imagine a pizza. Pizza has slices. And each slice represents a community. So she said, imagine the scent of the pizza. The scent of the pizza, people, even they come from different backgrounds, different communities different sectors, we are much more connected. We are on the same, the same people in your community. The edges is, you know, you see the pizza. So, I mean, we can find common interests. We can find common goods, and we need to find a new language how to make it happen. Everybody needs to have the, the confidence that we're going we're gonna to protect your values. We're going we're gonna to really respect. We don't want to change you. We're going to make manipulations how you... Just yesterday, someone asked me, a very open-minded person, are you sure, a crazy guy, are you sure the secular don't want you, should be different? I said, maybe there are some, but I can tell you so many are tolerance people. I know them. I, you, I think most people don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Sure, absolutely. I just want them to work. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I, so, but the people that have the, 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 the I, I told you about what, I write a post about what, um, because what's going on in Israel. Not, it's very hard days, and I. it makes me so much pain. So I, I post that I'm ready to facilitate every kind of group, and and even the secular, just to meet me and to speak about those issues. I, I, I like to facilitate. It is part of my my expertise. Right. <laughs> and one guy called me, said, I invite you to come to IT company in Tel Aviv, nine o'clock for some months ago. I said, yes. I came and next to me sat a very, very special person. Uh, he is the head of Embellison Hospital of one of the greatest sections. And he was nervous. He didn't want, when I asked him, can you say what brings you to this group? He said, I hate you. My parents, my kids and I, we dedicate and sacrifice our life for building Israel and you are destroying the country. Hate you, I don't want to know you. So I ask him, what brings you here? So because yes, if the guy is sitting over there, he forced me to come. And he was, you know, so much anger, you cannot imagine. Such a beautiful person, but I felt it. And then by the second round, I asked him, can you share with us your pain? And he said, is this a ventilation group? 
It's a terrible group, are you crazy? They're so great and so huge problems. How are you going to resolve with those kinds of conversation? And I listened. Someone tried to interrupt them. And I said, no, I want to listen. I think it was the, I was the greatest listen moment I ever in my life. I listened to all my art. And then he gave me a hug after two hours and invited me to the hospital, not as a patient, just to speak to the doctors. And we think about now to, have a, to make a project together about the community. So what happens? Do you think I, have, I came with solu solutions? Not. But we come with a lot of respect and listening is one of the most important skills. Always we try to say what we think. And once we will learn, so people can respect much more, but understand there is different needs, different practices, different traditions. But this is Israel. The Jewish nation comes from the 12 tribes. And this is exactly what identified Israel, that everybody comes from a different tribe. And each tribe has a different blessing. Right. This is a collective when we need to understand and stop fighting with each other. You know, who, who is the main, the main source of, of those fights? It comes from, from the political movements. Absolutely. And, and so and this they is... try always to, you know, to make, it, make us fight, then you get a reward with more. Well, it's in the interest, it's in particularly if I can focus for the moment, because we're talking about the Haredi community, it's very much in the interest of the Haredi political leaders to foment this hatred, this fear, this this idea that the secular or traditional Israelis or modern Orthodox Israelis want to destroy them. Um, it's in their interest because it keeps their community close and under their control. But you only gave me part of what I was hoping to get from you. And if you have the pen for the day and your dictator for a day and you have the opportunity to, you have to make really practical recommendations because we have a long time to work on, you know, reaching one another, developing a greater understanding for one another's lives and values, but we have a much more urgent problem that has to be solved yesterday, which is getting Haredim into the workforce. So I have my ideas. I want to hear yours in terms of what do you do? I do think... You, do you have them go to, to school at age 18? Do you have them do national service and then army? Or do you, you know, as you know, there's this debate now, do we lower the age of exemption from 26 to 23? And maybe 10 years ago that would have been enough, but I don't think it's enough today. We need a really, I'm going to suggest, radical change. And I'd like to hear what you would recommend if you had the opportunity and why. I think the most important thing to start is to cultivate the culture of Torah studies. You will not, you, I, I will explain. The culture of Torah studies? Yeah. I, will, I, will. I think that once the Haredi will feel there are some seculars who really appreciate that some of the people, some of the community can sit and study in Torah. I think they're going to feel that they are protected and they can continue, make sure, they will continue to make sure that the percentage of the community can sit and study in Torah. We, I also believe very much in studying Torah. You should understand. But, and then that's mean you can start very strong. Like, like 10, 10%, let's say, they were sitting and studying Torah, but the rest of them are going to be 
people, we have more, we're going to have more and more courage they, to send them to academic system and they should start studying different studies. Bombach's ideas may sound reasonable, and they are, but they're downright heretical to the 60% of hardcore Haredim. But he believes that as Haredi boys and men are integrated into the workforce while maintaining their religious beliefs and lifestyle, that the hostility among the 60% may soften. I tend to be less optimistic on the likelihood of that coming to pass and believe that what is needed in Israeli society is a seismic shift where Haredi boys and men are treated the same as everyone else. You reach age 18. You serve the country, either in the IDF or civilian national service, and then upon discharge, you are free to do as you please. Go to work. Study in the yeshiva. Pursue higher education. Start a business. This notion that Haredim somehow require gentle encouragement and accommodations is an approach that I believe only emboldens the entrenched power structure and interests in that community and hardens resistance to any reforms. And this is exactly what has so many Israelis so steamed. They are just done with supporting a status quo that they firmly believe to be egregiously inequitable. As the protesters and many other non-Haredim often say, we need a new contract with the state. But we're finished. We're finished with the old one. We're done with sending our kids to the army. We're done with doing reserve service, with working and paying taxes, and allowing this economic albatross to not only grow in size, but demand more money and further concessions from the state. Enough. Haredim must participate in all aspects of the country. That is the price of citizenship and all the many benefits that flow from that status. And Bombach agrees. I understand. I'm a citizenship. I mean, this is exactly what we need to expect from, from, from people. You live in a country. So I think this is very, very important. That is, you know, when I, when I teach kids, I give them different a language. And it's a differentiation between pluralism and tolerance. Pluralism means you believe in exist in the truth that everyone chooses, right? This is pluralism. And as an orthodox guy, you cannot believe that everyone has a truth because it, this is not orthodox. Right. Okay. But there is a sense of pluralism. Pluralism of tolerance. That means you believe people are different, they have different choices, different circumstances, and we need to fully respect because they're human beings. And this is, for example, a language how you can live with. No one teaches us those languages. I mean, just for example, I mean, it's not just semantics issues. It's really deep understanding how you can behave or live together with people who are different cho choice in life. They're going to fully respect and we have to respect it. Yes, I know it's, it's frustrating. I really understand why people are frustrated in those days. Uh, but if you continue screaming, it's not going to happen, nothing. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Menachem Bambach, thank you so much for your time. I think you're doing such important and interesting work. Thank you, Vivian. It was nice meeting you. And I enjoyed very much from this interview, I have to tell you. Me too. Thank you. Menachem Bambach is the quirkiest mix of modern and ancient, traditional and pragmatic, and brimming with optimism. 
What he has accomplished is extraordinary. And as I was packing up to leave his office, he said that it was really too bad that there was not enough time for me to tour the school and have a look at what is going on there day to day. We exited his office straight into the stairwell, piled high with suitcases. The students were all ready to head home for the weekend break. Bombach greeted one boy. I'm going to say he was around 12, and this was his first year in the school. He was very excited for a weekend trip to the north of the country with his family and was itching to get going. But he did stop long enough to allow me a short conversation. This has been his first year at the school, and he was effusive in expressing how much he loves it. Loves it. And his favorite subject? Math. He had never learned math previously. Imagine. Imagine the worlds that math opens up to such a young mind. And Bombach stood to the side as we spoke, beaming. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond podcast. It would be great if you would like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Check us out at stateoftelaviv.com on Substack, where you will have access to our full library of content for a limited time only. We are truly independent. We don't just say it, meaning that you will be exposed to views from across the political spectrum at stateoftelaviv.com. Me? I'm all over the place, but generally a solid centrist. State of Tel Aviv is supported by its listeners and readers. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Each member makes a huge difference. I'm Vivian Berkovich, signing off from deep inside the state of Tel Aviv. Until next time, stay cool, stay safe, have a great weekend.